It's the ER Podcast version mayhem. For the past few weeks, we've been doing a couple of things. One, working with as many sources and collecting as much information as we can to help our clients survive the coronavirus lockdown and thrive in the business environment to come. Two, we've been creating a digital transformation of our own, relaunching the Profit from ERP concept, offloading our past business model in exchange for a concept that focuses on what we do best, emphasizes our strengths, and partnering with others who can do a better job in the areas that used to bog us down. There's new podcasts, white papers, websites, digital tools, analytic developments, as well as broader partnerships and alliances, all digitally connected and delivered with one thing in mind, to better serve our clients. Companies who are looking for the best ERP. Now, big question, what is the best ERP? It's the one that best solves a particular client's problems. And the number one problem we're facing today has got to be uncertainty. Certainly during the coronavirus pandemic, if that weren't challenging enough, now we're facing huge unrest in the country with urban protests and, and riots. What it boils down to is change is happening at lightning speed. It always has happened and quicker than you would think. But digital transformation creates a company that can change rapidly and shift on a dime. We've seen it time and time again. And with all this change, can your business afford to remain static with older technology, with static systems? It's a big question and a lot depends on it. We're gonna talk about it today. Another business trick I learned some years ago, go find the smartest guy in the room, stand next to him and shut up. <laughs> People will walk away thinking about those two brilliant guys they just met. And my contribution to that impression consists mostly of smiling and, and nodding. So today, today we're bringing in a brilliant guy, Bushan Parikh from a company called Get Digital Velocity. Bushan's been at the VP CIO level, that's chief information officer level of some key companies in the past. He's been working with leading teams of strategically excellent companies for years. His expertise stretches across generations of technology of all types. And his company, Get Digital Velocity, helps mid-market companies like yours re-examine strategic and tactical approaches to complete digital transformation. He's gonna be telling you all about it mostly be smiling and nodding <laughs> on this week's episode of the ER podcast digital transformation one more way you can profit from ERP I'm Gene Hammonds today's episode is being jointly sponsored by get digital velocity and profit from ERP you may have heard me speaking in the past about the Alliance of Excellence Software Coalition a loose federation of business software providers who've proven themselves over the years as reliable and trusted advisors, as well as talented implementers and service delivery teams. Different companies have different business requirements, and the consulting team, the one consulting team that says they can do it all, pretty much that's where they came up with that saying, jack of all trades, master of none. When it comes to an ERP project around here, there's different levels of activity. There's the basics, like what does this ERP do? There's also advanced levels of change management. There's up to strategic planning, marketing awareness, it's even as far as changing the company's overall strategy. Some people just want a simple direction. Which ERP packages should we look at? Others need more. How do we make the system pay for itself? And then some of our clients 
want a senior level advisor up to and including a fractional CIO, a senior technology executive to fill a top level role. And that's where we partner with Get Digital Velocity. Here's the thing, whatever your company, whatever your requirements, we can build a team to help you thrive in tomorrow's business environment. Not just with who we have on staff, who we happen to have sitting on the bench, but whoever's actually the best in the business. Contact us through Profit from ERP website or info at ProfitFromERP.com and we'll start that discussion on building your team for future success. Get digital velocity and Profit from ERP. That's a great combination. And now, on to today's discussion. Welcome my special guest, Bushan Parikh, to today's episode of ER Podcast. By way of introduction, Bushan, over the years, has a background in high-level IT positions with some very heavy-hitting IT teams. Groups like Avnet here in Phoenix, Johnson Controls, a huge powerhouse, consumer brands you may have heard of like Nike and Johnson & Johnson. Bushan's firm, Get Digital Velocity, provides consulting services to mid-market companies as well as fractional CIO services, which means if you need top-level leadership for your company's IT and strategic digital approach to the marketplace, Get Digital Velocity can provide as little or as much as you need, giving you access to some of the top digital expertise in the country and without having to pay for a full-time employee in that, that particular strategic position. So let's dig in and find out more about Get Digital Velocity and and what it could mean for you and your business going forward, especially as we come out of the COVID-19 lockdown. Bishan, let's talk about first, let's talk about digital transformation. Like on some of the ERP software selection sites, you're going to see they have different levels of their approach and they, they categorize these as like ERP upgrades, ERP replacements is the next step up. And then at the very top, they, they talk about complete digital transformation. It's a hot button topic. A lot of people are talking about it, but I don't know if everybody has a complete grasp of the concept. Can you walk us through digital transformation so we'll know exactly what it is we're referring to? Absolutely. So the way I see it, or the way we approach digital transformation is in a very, very holistic fashion. We don't look to digital transformation just like your question started with the ERP software. We actually look at digital transformation in terms of people, process, and technology. The first part is we understand the culture of the company. We understand the employee and their culture. We understand where exactly they are in the journey of digital. We look at the processes that are being uh, used to operate. And then finally, we have a set of workshops in which we look at whether those processes are ideal for that company or will that Uh, Will that process need to be redesigned or would they like to redesign it? This is where we come with the concept of zero-based thinking is, say, for an example, you could put away all your uh, technical and process debt away for a day. How would you like to do your business? And once we have defined that, based on that, people, uh, the employee retraining or employee training along with... um, along with process redesign, then we look at a set of tools that would enable or empower the employee in the process. And for us, digital is a journey. It's a way of thinking. There is, it isn't any one thing or it isn't a single project. So 
our approach to it is we will get you to say waypoint one and the understanding that needs to be there is that waypoint one is not the finish line but rather waypoint one is the first stop in the long journey as the world evolves as the customer evolves as the business evolves they have to evolve along with it and that's our approach to digital now erp has been around for i would say at least three decades or more i mean we have heard of the tier one erps and many companies uh small mid and extremely large size companies all of them have some or other version of a erp so sap uh is one of the prime ones oracle is another close competitor to them and lo- the cost of having rolled out these erps is not small and in many a cases this erps rollout has been done in an incorrect fashion because the approach has been that they have brought the erp in but instead of modernizing their processes or following the standard configuration of the erp they have customized the erp to work with their old processes that's like taking a jet engine or a jet plane and taking its engines off and putting it on a bullock cart and that's what these erps are out there so when we approach any company or any such engagement we have an entirely holistic approach not just to people process and technology but we also have a very holistic process to technology itself so any time you go into any customer site they will have three different categories of applications if you might one will be the legacy applications second one would be some form of a erp and third one third uh uh third section if you might would be the digital or what they consider the digital tools now our goal is to take this entire ecosystem into account to define and design a digital strategy and that is our uh, that is how we approach it we we do not leave out the legacy systems we do not leave out the erp and we don't go and look at the shiny objects like salesforce uh, supply frame or any other such cloud based technology instead what we do is we look at the people the processes we re- we redesign the processes we come up with a strategy that allows us to utilize legacy erp and some digital tools depending on how we have redesigned the processes all together with a underlying plan that lays out a objective level deliverable of moving workloads from legacy to erp or from erp to digital side tools that that's how we deliver the deliver the phase 1 if you might of the digital journey one of the things you talked about was uh zero based thinking i think you called it and i i've heard you mention that concept before and i think it's fascinating that you almost reengineer everything that that the company does can you can you talk about a little bit about that yeah i mean we have what one of the things we do is we have workshops and we don't limit our workshops just to the c suite or the managers or the individual contributors we actually have it across the entire um organization 
And as we are having those uh, conversations, uh, one of the things we, of course, we have found the need for is, of course, um, teaching people on how digital works or what is digital. Second is explaining to them what a organizational transformation for digital looks like. And thirdly, what is the responsible, who is responsible for this transformation? Now, as we move into these uh, workshops, many a times what we do, or what a lot of people do who come to those workshops is they have these uh, blocks, if you might, or their blockages of, oh, you know, I could do something very simply, but I got this in its place. And what we do is we try to pull them out of that mindset and we say, okay, just imagine for a second, you did not have, you haven't, you didn't spend, say, $10 million on a particular system. You didn't have to take so many steps for a particular process. How would you do it? Let's put everything aside and just tell me, how would you like your world to be? And we start designing business processes based on that. So we take them and we take all their blockages, or I would say, their worries of why something may not work because a lot of people approach it that way saying that, okay, this is going to get in the way or that is going to get in the way. We say, okay, take everything out of the way. If you were not stopped or restricted in any form, how would you do it? And once we have done that and once we have gone through that entire process, then we kind of pull the two together to see what's the happy medium between the two. But once they start thinking in those terms, they realize that they could be doing not just hard work, but smart work as well. That makes and sense. And that's the mindset we that's the mindset we want to get them to. So when it comes time to pick up tools or to redesign the business process, they are in the right frame of mind to drive towards that. That makes sense. And you're you're bringing in the people that are on the ground floor, on the front lines, using the expertise and the knowledge they already have, and you know. A lot of times they are the experts in the organization of, of, of how things work day to day, but haven't had time to, to think strategically and, and how would I rework this if, if I had a chance to do it? You know, it's um, one of the, uh, another thing that, that I know that you do is, is work as a fractional CIO or a chief information officer for companies. In that role, you have to be very strategic. You have to cross a lot of um, different lines. You can't just be the IT services. You've got to be thinking strategically about how we approach the market. Uh, how do we how do we sell as well as well as deliver whatever it is that that we're doing? Can you talk about some of the assignments that that um, uh, you've taken? where you've had to advise clients on a on an ongoing basis as as a fractional CIO. Absolutely. Let's take an example of a private equity company and this particular private equity or any private equity company is usually looking to make acquisitions or spin off their acquisitions in one way, shape or another for a profit. We provide them the service of being their fractional CIOs right from the beginning, from when they start doing the due diligence on one of their potential acquisitions. We look at the applications that are present in that acquisition. The acquisition can be a carve-out or it can actually be a standalone entity. We look at the applications. We understand what the business process is. We understand what it is that they're trying to provide for their customers. 
and then we also want to understand what their financial motives are that particular um, acquisition it could be that it is a distressed unit that they want to turn around it could be that it is a normally operating unit but they have some better ideas of how they would run that business and they want to bring it in in each case we have a it solution we have to reimagine if you might of what would empower their strategy to work and this requires a end to end understanding of the business as well as the customers and what we do when we act as fractional cios we get involved right from the beginning from the due diligence to the contract sign off and then post contract into the tsa and then the tsa exit and as these phases evolve from as we as uh, the company evolves from one phase to another and the acquisition moves into becoming a call it a uh, a business unit of the uh, private equity firm we are also evolving with them our thought process and what would be the right solution for them in terms of information technology do we need to completely replace their erp system do we need to uh let's take an example in one of the cases we are uh, we were brought in and one of the things we found out was this particular acquisition was a carver now in a carver of course they are using all the systems that the parent company is using but the parent company is not able to assign any licenses to them on the erp side so obviously they will have to work through a tsa for a period of time and we have to find a solution for that now in a way this is good because it allows us to think outside of the uh, constraints that a erp could put on us and find them a solution and nowadays if you look around there are a number of erp packages that are available not as uh, not in not as in depth or over engineered such as the tier 1 erps but they i would say they meet about 80% of the requirements of a mid size to a complex organization and they are completely cloud based and we uh, basically we are not looking for a data center we are simply subscribing to that erp and in terms of any support or upgrades or functional changes and so on we figure out exactly how that is going to work for them and we set it up sounds good so does that help oh yeah absolutely yeah. let's talk a little bit about it or or uh, technology departments in general you know what when i'm working with a client and i see them being very successful i try to find out and learn as much as i can from them so i can copy it and and and, and take it to other engagements one thing i've noticed is, is that the smaller companies they think of their it team their it department as a cost this is a cost of doing business they've got to maintain our servers they've got to you know provision all of these laptops all of that type of thing but when you know i'm working with one of those leading companies that really does well uh rapidly growing uh they look at it as a revenue center uh either cutting their labor costs or or increasing productivities and and driving profits to the bottom line is that mm-hmm. i mean where do you see the line between those two where where do, where does where does a company get to the point where their IT department becomes a, re- a revenue center rather than a cost center that's a very good question so if you look at about 80% of the companies in the united states today 
are 80% of the companies globally. I would say they are pretty much looking at their IT as a cost center. It's a part of the OPEX, it's a part of the overhead. But some of the progressive companies that have been around for 30, 40, 50 years have taken a different approach to IT because they understand the leverage that they can get from IT. Here's a, uh, here's a fun fact. 80% of the revenue growth between 2020 and 2025 is going to come through digital transformation. Really? Yes. And companies are immediately, some of the companies that are forward thinking immediately have understood that and have taken actions towards it. So one of the very first things is, you know, where is the IT leadership reporting to? If the IT leadership is reporting into the CFO, you know, that's the old, old style of working. It's the old fashioned way of doing things. CIO or the leader of the IT group has to have a seat at the table on an equal basis along with everyone, all other C-suite levels, because they bring to the table the strategy and the power of enabling the next level of business operations. And that's what companies need to understand and acknowledge. And the companies that are, that are recently started up, that are already asset-like, cloud-based, they have started up in that mindset right from day one. I mean, take the example of Uber or take the example of Amazon or take the example of Lyft. These companies were set up in an asset-like fashion, but IT was already a core portion of their business. I mean, this is something I've been saying along all along for a while is instead of calling IT as a cost center, they should be a natural extension of each and every business process. Absolutely. So when that is the case, now now you are going from people to process to technology uh, seamlessly, and that kind of an organization you will see in these new companies or the companies that are looking to transform, they are reorganizing in these terms. Unfortunately, uh, uh, most of the companies are behind the curve on this particular in this particular area. I, I can give you one example of one of the uh, older companies that was, which has been around for about 50 or 60 years or maybe even 100 years, I think. And they have, they changed, uh, the new CEO who came in changed their entire method of thinking. He, number one, of course, when a new leader comes in, they, they like to make some changes within their uh, direct reports, which he did. And when he brought in the CIO that he wanted, he had the CIO report to him directly. And the second thing he did was he made it very, very clear of what his vision was. And he wanted to clearly articulate what the business strategy was for the next five years. And he did not stop at the business strategy or a business execution strategy, but he went all the way down into IT of how IT would enable it. He made the entire people process and technology seamless. And that is the front-facing way of doing things. That is the way uh, companies need to work if they want to not get disrupted by one of their competitors. That's the way companies need to work to survive in this fast-changing world we are in right now, where we are getting into artificial intelligence, RPA, automations, everything else. It's almost like what you're describing is, is, is some of these startup companies that have been so successful that have gone global while they're still small they, they start with very few people, very few assets, but it's all technology 
facing. It's all working around that. That's what they do. That's that's how they built out their entire models. But what the point I'm trying to make is, they you know you could look at Amazon or you could look at a Uber, and say okay they had a very, um, you know they they had some sort of an advantage. But I disagree with that. Is Uber came out with a concept that was completely out of the box, but then they enabled it with technology. Same with Amazon. They haven't stopped innovating yet. They keep moving from one rung to another, and they keep leveraging technology from from start to finish. So it's a whole different way of thinking. It's like you're not just saying that I want to improve my OpEx or I want to improve the financials that uh, my uh, sales group or my manufacturing group is showing and I want to improve those and then you stop at that and tell somebody to come and figure out some ideas, you actually take that to the very end as an end-to-end process saying, okay, what can we do, including bringing IT to the table? So in today's times when, you know, businesses are completely challenged today, we, we are in a very strange uh, place right now because of uh, the disruption we have had in 2020. In the past, we have seen you know uh, economic uh, downturns, but we have never seen an economy that was completely shut down for two months, or we have not seen an economy that is in the danger of getting shut down again in case we get disrupted again by this virus. And people have to think outside the box of how are they going to keep operating in this environment, and you know for want of uh, good or bad, uh, this has really given a huge push to IT and digital thinking in terms of companies trying to survive while they are completely disrupted by uh, this virus and shut down. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen a lot of the digital companies, and we've talked about this before, that, that, that first week after the shutdown, some groups were out there and they were innovating and they were finding better ways to, to connect with their customers and rolling out uh, systemic improvements so that customers could, could deal with them uh, on a remote basis. And, you know, they already had their employees dialing in, whereas other companies using older technology, they were trying to spin up a VPN so the employees could just get back to their normal systems from home. And mm-hmm. it, it was... It, it really put some companies behind. And I think it really, anal- you know, it showed how a digital world, I mean, I, I think we've always been moving in this direction, but I think that it just accelerated it a great deal due to the necessity of the, the lockdown. Did you see that same type of thing happening? Absolutely. I mean, um, completely bricks and mortar companies um, where they had offices of 3,000 or 5,000 people uh, they had to pivot and IT departments had to really step up and very quickly enable uh, remote working. They not only had to enable remote working, uh, you know, the VPN that you mentioned, but they also had to allow for remote collaboration. Being able to work as a team as if you were sitting in the office. That's where tools such as WebEx, Zoom, uh, Microsoft Office, I believe, has their own. Uh, Google has their own. These were the tools that were brought in. Literally, they were rolled out over a weekend. Schools and colleges, which were shut down, but they still had to teach and they still had to finish their years. 
where I had to leverage these technologies that probably hadn't existed. A normal company, uh, say a normal uh, Fortune 100 company, usually has maybe 10% people who are traveling and use VPNs at any given time. Suddenly, we went from 10% to almost like 80 or 90% of people using VPNs or using these technologies to collaborate or have meetings or video calls. And it was a complete turnaround. I mean, scaling up that quickly was something, I guess, in a way, it also showed the power of IT and the power of digital transformation to the companies that are behind the eight ball today. Absolutely. And I, I've heard you speak about Apple in the past in terms of, you know, they used to be called Apple Computer. They're a hardware manufacturer. Uh, you can buy an iPhone. You can buy a, a, a Mac computer, uh, iPad tablets, watches. But their main value add is design. And they've just outsourced all of their manufacturing entirely. So they just focus on design and that user experience. And, and I think the way that you, know, you break that down is something that a lot of companies are going to have to do, have to understand what is it we're really, really good at and what, what can we outsource and, and, and take off of our plate to hand that over to somebody else that can perhaps do that more efficiently? Because that's going to be the only way a lot of these companies survive in the post-COVID era, don't you think? I would agree with that completely. And this is where the concept of a digital organization comes in. I mean, we ask ourselves the question is, why do we exist in this construct of this enterprise? What is the reason for our being? Well, we want to serve our customers. We want to grow the business by serving more customers or serving more products to the same customers. So now comes in the focus. What is it that we are selling? What is it that we are designing? Well, let's take Apple as an example. They have come up with the best of designs. They are literally the kings in designing right now, but they have come up with the designing, but they don't take on the work of manufacturing. That's not their... That's not their um, area of expertise per se. They have given it to Foxconn or some other manufacturer that, because that's what they do. They set it up in modules. So what is it that they feel they need to serve their customers? They need their designers. They need their programmers that are writing the OS operating system. Even that portion of it is outsourced to some of the outsourced providers as a managed service but they have keyed in very, very clearly as to what it is that they need to do. And everything else has been pushed out to companies that are good at doing that instead of taking on the load and trying to build it out completely. So, so let's take an example, um, financials. Yes, you need a CFO. Yes, you need people who are responsible for the financials, but you don't need somebody, or you don't need a group of people doing ARAP. You don't, you don't need a banking set of transactions that need to be handled from in-house. All these things can become a BPO or a business process outsource. Similarly, in HR, yes, you need the HR leaders who lay, who lay out the policy and who are the drivers of that policy. But when it comes to the mundane work or what I would call repetitive work, which doesn't require imagination, which doesn't require creativity, but it's just repetitive, they can take that work and assign it out to a HR agency that is really good at doing that. And that's what a new new age digital enterprise should be, is focus on what you're good at and what your reason for being is. 
Absolutely. And it, you know, that, that's, that's another area where I think that, that your approach can be, you know, radically important because when you sit down at the conference room table and you take a look at, you know, what is it that we do from A to Z and what of it needs to spin off and, and what of it do we need to concentrate on? You know, you coming in from the outside can take a look at things that, that get missed if, you know, you've got the people from that department sitting in one chair and the people from the other department going, oh, you can't cut my department. But taking an overall look at, at, at the strategic way to go forward, I think would be invaluable to, to companies moving forward out of, uh, out of the lockdown. I think absolutely. I mean, take an example of some other companies um, where they have come to a conclusion that they, don't, they do not need 80% of their employees in the office. And that's a pretty radical conclusion to come to. Uh, that they could have these employees working from home. Because now you start an entirely new way of thinking. Take, let's just build on this example out a little bit. They can, uh, a, say a company A has decided after the experience of being shut down for eight weeks, they will not be bringing all their employees back to the same office. They have understood that 80% of the employees can work remotely. I have seen one of the companies turn their offices into a much smaller facility, or they are in the process of doing so. And they are cycling the employees in such a way that they are having the employee come in for one day a week in a very strategic manner to get some of the work done. Otherwise, the rest of it can be done virtually through collaboration, using tools, and doing it remotely. And you know this has a huge impact on the OPEX, for an example. Now you're not looking for a facility with multiple, uh, multiple buildings or hundreds of thousands of square feet that you need to maintain and a lease or own or whatever else. And that's going, to, that's going to drive a very different kind of a change. I mean, some of the companies have already made the decision that they don't want their people to come back to the offices at all. Absolutely. And I've, I've heard that in Texas. I've heard that around the Houston area. I've heard that in Phoenix. I've heard major large corporations saying, uh, we're not coming back to the office. Um, some of them say till maybe the end of 2021. Some of them say ever. So that's going to be a big change of, of how we do things. And, and that, you know, we need to not only have systems that we can log into remotely, we need to have systems that distribute workflow and, and connect us with our coworkers in ways that they finish a task and now we're given the follow-up task and, and, and move forward from there. Uh, and that, I think, is another reason companies really need to look at becoming digital. Absolutely, I agree with that. And reimagining work. Reimagining work is very, very important in today's age. What what does a workplace look like? What does work look like for each and every employee? And as we're reimagining this, there's a couple of concepts that I came across today. You know, one person talked about how they've been in business for over 20 years and, and they expect to be in business another 20 years. And COVID, you know, the the for some companies was a three-month shut down and then they'll go back to doing business and, 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 and they won't miss a beat from there. Others, it may take a year to recover, but even, you know, with a 12 month retooling going on over the life of a 40 year business, this is a small setback. It's not the end of the world. We've still got to maintain these customers. We've got to build with them. We've got to grow with them and, and, and move on forward. So it's, 
it's not a complete restart of a business, but you really have to take a look at where you want to go. I'll give you one very, very common example. Uh, I'm sure uh, you are you are a member of Sam's Club or Costco, right? Absolutely. And you normally you normally get their coupon book in your mail. Well, when we, COVID broke out, that that got disrupted to a certain extent, and Costco turned on a dime when. In a span of, I think, three or four days, they turned it around and they provided that same catalog of coupons on your phone in an application. And now I don't think we are ever going to see another Costco magazine come into our mailboxes. It's going to be going straight to our phones where we can open our app and look at it. I think that's one very good example of uh, change for an, uh, that people have put in. Some of the companies that had a e-commerce presence managed a lot better than those companies that did not because they were able to push some of their business onto the e-commerce side of selling, which was not possible had they been, uh, which was not possible for the companies that have not taken those steps yet. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's not just retail and things like that. It's, 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 if you're going to outsource your manufacturing, can you connect your systems with whoever's going to be doing your manufacturing so that you have an idea what your supply chain looks like at any time. You can see where your products are. You can see when they're going to arrive at your dock. You can see that they've they've left the uh, uh, manufacturing facility and they should be at the retail location or wherever they're going. All of that type of thing. So it, you know, it's you don't need to think of it in terms of just e-commerce. It's connecting with whoever you're working with and whoever you're partnering with and whoever your actual customers are, as as, as well as as your your partners yeah you know that that's a that's a very good point um i i have been working on this concept with my partner in get digital velocity is the very method of outsourcing is changing and if we were to take it to the next level then i would say okay if i'm doing a business process outsource i want that business process outsourcer to bring in a digital kit for that portion of the business that connects like a Lego block into my IT system. So I don't have to worry about HR's digital transformation. I don't have to worry about manufacturing's digital transformation. I don't have to worry about shipping and receiving uh, uh, shipping uh, digital transformation. I will only focus on the digital transformation that I need to do in design, customer service, and uh, probably in some of the administrative areas. And everything else becomes a, a add-on or almost like a Lego block that you click on. Uh, as soon, I think that's going to be the next age of outsourcing, where we're outsourcing not only the process, but IT with it, where the underlying requirement is they need to be digitally enabled group. Exactly. And, you know, going back, I mean, kind of taking it full circle, we talked about sitting down with a company and understanding their people, their processes and, and, and how things flow there, understanding what their core competencies are and things like that. I also heard of a, a, another gentleman talk about how you need to not do a forecast, but kind of do a backcast, kind of determine where you want to be in two years. What does your company look like? How does it react to the market? And then, you know, start looking at the steps to get back to today and, and say, what kind of company do I need to build to be where I want to be two years from today? 
And that's the kind of decisions that, that uh, I, I think are going to be critical. The other stat that I picked up on uh, was Harvard Business Review. It talks about in, in almost every recession, every shutdown, every, uh, well, I, I guess this is our first shutdown, actually, but in, in every economic disruption, about 10% of the companies that go through it come out stronger and the other 90% are going to come out weaker or not at all on the other side. And so I, I, I guess it's, you know, pretty much a decision at this point for people coming out of the COVID uh, lockdown. Do we want to be one of the 10%? Do, is that the direction we want to go? And, you know, I think those are the companies that, that Bushan, you would want to work with to, to be able to help them achieve that vision. We, we are actually offering up our services to all companies right now, including the ones that want to transform. We have been approached by a couple of companies that hit the wall, if you might, with COVID. And the lessons that they have learned and how they want to make sure that that doesn't happen to them again. And even if there was a disruption, how would they go about it? For an example, one of the companies has decided that they are going to continue manufacturing medical masks or medical gowns that they got into because of the COVID virus. And they're going to create a new, entirely new business unit to continue doing that. Another company actually reached out to their customers who were not as responsive during COVID to use that time to what what I what we call in get digital velocities uh, terms is a moonshot. If they really started talking to their customers and got into the got into the details of what made their customer tick and what the customer was looking for, but then they went one step further is they went and created something that their customer hadn't even thought of because they got to know their customer. And when they showed that functionality to the customer, the customer was just completely blown away because they didn't even know they needed that. We run these innovation workshops where we basically go into zero-based thinking and we even challenge them to say, okay, yes, we make uh, widget A, B, and C. Let's forget about that for a minute. What else could we do? One of the companies actually turned around and said, uh, you know what, we have all these uh, legacy systems that we are planning to retire, but we don't want to lose our people. Maybe we can create a working group of AS400 professionals and look for work for them as a division of this company. And it's taken off. A lot of ways you, you can do the same work, you can do very different work. And like you said, want to survive for another 20 years, you have to be nimble on your feet. Absolutely. Well, that, you know, that's a good discussion. And I think that's, that's about, um, we're, we're coming up on our, our time here. Um, I want to, Thank you a lot for, for coming in and speaking. And, and I want to let our audience know that uh, uh, you know, we've got a, a series of thought pieces and things like that that we're working on and, and uh, more to come in the future and, and, and things of that sort. Anything else that you'd like to add to, to today's, today's little podcast? No, I just, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you very much for pulling this together. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, really good points we have gone over but i think uh, like you said there are more uh, more podcasts to follow as we take our thought process forward and always happy to help and share knowledge 
So back to you. All right. That sounds great. Thanks a lot. And uh, we, we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Gene. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the ER Podcast. We covered quite a bit of ground there. But if we missed something that you're interested in regarding digital transformation for your company, we can be reached by email at info at profitfromerp.com. And we'll be glad to put together a conference call to talk to you about specifics. You can also sign up at the Profit from ERP website for notice of upcoming podcasts and webinars and white papers from Get Digital Velocity's Bhushan Parikh, as well as other thought leaders from various industries. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google, or others. We appreciate good reviews and do send a link to your friends and hide it from your competitors. I'm the director of Profit from ERP, Gene Hammonds, wishing you a safe and profitable day.